0: Today's episode is all about culture, leadership, innovation, organizational agility, and infusing technology into sport, not as an add-on, but truly marrying the two together. From Engagement, I'm David Malay, and this is Flip the Switch. Quick plug before we get to our guest introduction today. If you're focused on guest experience or employee experience, definitely go check out our email newsletter. As we work with pro teams and college athletic departments around the country, we're taking the lessons that we learn from our experiments and our projects, and we're putting those insights into the newsletter. A couple of times per week, you'll get everything from the articles and content that are inspiring us to innovate, as well as new tools that we're using and loving. If you get value from this show, you're going to love the newsletter. To sign up, head to engagementpartners.com backslash newsletter. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, and we try to figure out what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running? What are the principles that have driven their career success and growth, and then we try to take all those insights and we apply them to the world of sports and entertainment. Sometimes we sit down with leaders that are outside of the world of sports and entertainment, and we infuse those insights in, but sometimes we sit down with really innovative leaders in sports and entertainment, and that's what we've done today with our guest, Rachel Jacobson. Rachel spent 21 years at the NBA Most recently, she was their vice president of global business development. After 21 years, she left. She went outside of the sports and entertainment industry, uh, moved into kind of the world of professional development, if you will, and spent about two years outside of the space at a startup. Uh, And then she came back in, and now in her current role, which she's been there about a year, uh, maybe a little bit over a year, uh, she's the president of the Drone Racing League. If you're not familiar with what the Drone Racing League is, that's all right. This is your introduction. Go look it up. It will excite you. It's going to get your brain moving because they've taken a unique approach to sports and entertainment where if you hear Rachel talk about it, they are a technology company first. They're not a sports and entertainment league infusing technology in so when you look at the different decisions that they're making from a business perspective from a customer experience perspective even from an employee experience perspective technology is at the forefront of that part of that is because they know their customer base they know that their customers are hyper focused on new technologies and specifically like the engineering aspects of technology And so they are taking all of those things and bringing it into their world and making and leading with technology, whether that be in the high-tech drones that they're using, whether that be the specific camera angles, whether that be the investments that they're making in the community from a STEM perspective, just the way that they are, the multifaceted way that Rachel and her team at Drone Racing League are approaching business is really unique to what a lot of other teams are doing out there. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from traditional organizations as to how they're looking at the holistic customer, the holistic people that are fans of their organization and trying to serve that bigger, those bigger needs rather than just purely providing a form of entertainment. They're really getting to the core, the deeper aspects of their customers and the people that they serve and trying to find new ways to serve those fans and those people. Um, All right. I'm not going to steal any more thunder there. I'm going to let Rachel go into that. But one quick aside that I do want to go into before we talk about this. Uh, Sometimes we meet people on this show and I get to talk with a lot of incredible people around the world, many of whom I've never met before. Rachel was one of those people. And sometimes those conversations are interesting, they're intriguing, but rarely do I walk away from a conversation saying, that is someone that I would want to go work for. That was 100% the case here with Rachel, uh, from the the clarity in which she conveyed her thoughts to just her general persona of how joyful she was approaching this role and, and approaching the podcast. I mean, we had so much fun on it. If I'm you, and I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking about what my next career path is, and I'm focused on technology and innovation, Drone Racing League probably maybe wasn't at the top of your mind for thinking about it, but it should be because Rachel is someone uh, that I would want to go work for personally as a leader. So I know they're growing rapidly. Just a plug here for Rachel and her team. Also, it's partly so she doesn't go steal my team members because I know you're after Katie Rachel. She's not for hire. Uh, Anyway, uh, let's jump into this episode. Uh, Before we get going, though, if you want to get a hold of Rachel or follow along her journey, uh, go follow her on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is Rachel. That's R-A-C-H-E-L R Jacobson. Jacobson is spelled with an O. We'll link to that in the show notes. We'll also link to Drone Racing League uh, website and more information on where you can get a hold of them. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. But without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Rachel Jacobson. Rachel, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You guys didn't hear it, but in the pre-conversation, Rachel is trying to poach Katie, our producer of the show, to join her incredible organization, Drone Drone Racing League. But Rachel, other than you trying to take our employees, uh, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, and Katie, we're gonna call after, right?
0: <laughs> well, Rachel, let's let's back up a little bit before we talk Drone Racing League. You spent 21 years in the NBA, uh, which in my mind is kind of world-class when it comes to a sporting league and how they run everything. Uh, and you've worked your way up from management training all the way up to senior vice president of business development. Can you point to any specific projects or roles that you had with the NBA that you feel like really prepared you for what you're doing now?
1: All of it. I mean, for me- I need
0: specifics. I need specifics.
1: <laughs> um, for me, it was such a dream job coming out of Cornell when I thought about wanting to do something in sports and entertainment and you have the best visionaries in the world David Stern, Adam Silver, you look at the NBA ownership and who's out there and this was the most progressive team that was at the forefront of all of sports and entertainment. So I had such a courtside view from that literally like first day on the job to when I left 21 years later And when I point back to different defining moments throughout my career, that, you know, as as you asked, prepared me for what I'm doing now, I would have to say it was at those points where there was a challenge. There was a situation that the NBA had to deal with, controversy, you know, other things that went on on the court, off the court. And it was really there where I saw firsthand what leadership really meant. And that was you know taking accountability making sure that we put processes in place so things don't happen again and really it was that preparedness um you know i think about not just like the prep for the prep for the meeting but it was always thinking through every situation every permutation of an all-star game of a global game um, when David wanted to enter China and really put stakes in the ground of this sophisticated mindset of any of the you know projects that I was working on, I knew that I had to bring my A game every step of the way. And watching, you know, being in those boardrooms and watching people just you know passionately fight for their points or come in with you know almost a thesis. Around why the NBA should be doing something, why our draft should look different, really being able to take all of that in and so much of the evolution of sports over that 20 years. When I think about sitting here today with a younger sport, you know, we don't have 70, 100 plus years that the traditional stick and ball sports do, but it is that mindset of, you know what the ingredients are, and you take all that down, and you figure out how you then build the most incredible organization. Really starting with the people first. Those were so many of you know the pages of the playbook that I think about going from the operations to the people of where I sit today.
0: It's I mean you said like five things that we could go and, and unpack, and and for those of you listening at home, right? We. Katie from our team always puts together a, a great Google doc of all these sheets. And Rachel said, are we going to get to all these things? And I'm like, probably not. Cause you're going to say something like you just did where I'm like, we could go down five different rabbit holes. Um, talk to us a little bit. This is again, we're going off script here, but talk to us a little bit about your approach with people building and process building in the organization. Obviously, you guys are kind of running at the speed of a startup, but at the same time coming from the NBA and everything you just hit on, you know the importance of investing in your people and putting processes behind the scenes that allow those people to flourish. Talk to us a little bit about your strategy there and how you've been able to do that with Drone Racing League.
1: So I love that question because I'm all about the people. Like if your people aren't feeling empowered, supported, and really invested in everything that you're doing. It's just a domino effect from there. They're the heart and the soul of everything that you do. And I want people that are not only skilled you know, to do the jobs I wanna do, I want them motivated. I want them feeling they hit the lottery every day and building those cultures of the most high performing teams. So I've always been, you know, from a very early um, stage in my career when I, you know, took so seriously that first direct report that I got. Um, As a manager, there's so much responsibility that goes along with it. So I took it really seriously. And I think from that point on, I went on to just study the best of the best. I took from, you know, the best managers that I personally had, what do I love that they do? And then you take from the other managers, like, what do I hate that they do? And I really tried to blend those two areas and ensure that I was one of those leaders, um, managers that people want to work for because you're gonna get the best um, impact from those employees if again, they are feeling supported, empowered and, you know, I'm there as their head cheerleader to make sure that they are working in an environment that again, has that camaraderie and so much can be tied back to sports analogies. I grew up playing sports, um, team sports. And you know, that like, it's not one person that wins the game. So everyone's got to figure out that chemistry of how we work together. So much is so, you know, at a small or a large organization. So, you know, I've really taken, um, you know, to heart, again, personal experience, and then tried to emulate that in terms of what worked really well to get me focused, you know, from a manager that I had, and how do I then pay that forward and invest in this next generation that now is going to be running the world?
0: So give me me some specifics as to like what you guys are doing at Drone Racing League to really encourage that culture of high performers that... When they when they come into your organization, they're seeing a lot of great behaviors from leadership. What are some of those specific things that you guys are doing internally at Drone Racing League to build that culture of where high performers want to come and want to stay?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, when I joined, I you know asked a lot about culture and you know what are we doing and how are our future leaders being you know prepped for that. Um, And one of the things that was shared with me is this notion of like, everyone's got a seat at the table. And I loved that for so many reasons because it was essentially saying, it doesn't matter if you are the last man in right now or the most junior person in this organization, we care about your ideas and you absolutely can be instrumental in shaping the future. So the notion that this isn't so much of a hierarchy that is so much a part of other organizations like if you're not an md yeah. my husband's in finance so i know this it's like you don't get invited to those board meetings right. here everybody's got a seat at the table and we're really trying to instill that curiosity as well of asking questions so again not the organization everybody sits around and oh my god i don't want to say something and And that exists, you know, It still exists. You don't want to ask the stupid question. Um, But here I want that curiosity. And I am actively not only asking questions, but then making sure that everyone is comfortable really voicing their opinions, as well as being part of key decisions that are made. We always include you know, so much of across the organization, kind of top to bottom in key decisions that are being made versus just at like a town hall, everybody finds out about some monumental shift that may be going on with our sport.
0: Yeah, it, it's really interesting because I think that happens, what you just described happens a lot in sports or people don't even hear about it on a town hall. They hear about it on ESPN or something before they, it gets down to them. Uh, and so I think if, if you're out there listening and you're trying to create a, a culture that's innovative, like what Rachel has done with Drone Racing League, I think the point that you hit on that is really good is about creating a culture that encourages people to ask questions. But as a leader, if you're going to encourage those questions, you've got to be really transparent about the answers. And even if your answer is, hey, I can't tell you that right now, you have, to, you have to encourage it with actually the follow-up that you give as a leader, not just saying, oh, we want you to ask questions, right?
1: hundred percent
0: well let's talk let's move on to the next thing uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the lessons that you learned from leaving the NBA going outside of sports and then what brought you back to drone racing league back into sports what were give me one thing or the number one thing that you took from that short time period where you left sports that you've now brought back into the sports and entertainment world
1: oh my goodness One thing. There's so many.
0: Just give me first one that comes to mind. First one that comes to mind. Hustle. Tell me more.
1: You got to be hustling. So, you know, one of the things that I loved about the NBA is we're not a formulaic model. Every day was different, even in a sport that had years, you know, under their belt of Uh, You tip off the season at this time, the all-star game, like it was ever evolving and changing. So just that, like being on your game all the time was really important. Then I leave sports and I'm in an entrepreneurial setting. I'm in an HR tech startup, employee number four, you talk about hustle. It's like supercharged that times 10. You're now not just in charge, you're at FedEx on the floor writing out labels for a presentation you just printed off your own laptop with a portable printer shipping it out in advance of a meeting that you're like trying to get an uber to to get there in time so it was you know roll up your sleeves get your hands dirty and when I think about, again, all the preparedness of there were things that we knew to like, oh my God, every day is that like hustle and just you're doing it for the first time in startup world. And now calibrating back to sports where DRL, you think about the NBA, like a thousand plus person global organization, you know, 70 plus years, you look at the Drone Racing League, when I joined, we're a five-year-old sport. However, we're on NBC, we have a global footprint, we have like a Navy SEAL operation when it comes to executing events. So all of those key ingredients that you see in global sports and entertainment properties that frankly are the big five, we have all of this here. However, you get to still be an entrepreneur because your future, like your best days are ahead. And not many people can say their best days are ahead. I mean, you look at the landscape right now, um, you know, these athletes that have trained their entire lives. And then we have COVID and then the Olympics get canceled and moved. And we're still in that uncertainty, you know, in terms of what is happening. We wake up every day being able to be agile and flexible. And we talk to a company, they're like, we want a drone race on the moon. Amazing, we can do that. We want to be in China in 2022 for the launch of this you know, technology chip that we're building. Amazing, I can be there. So having the flexibility with also all of those, as I talked about like key assets and ingredients makes us not just like elusive from the fan base that we're bringing in, but a property that marketers are really gravitating towards because I don't have the guardrails and I have all of the history of I know what you care about and we're here to solve your problems yet, I don't have, again, it doesn't need to fit in a pretty box. Um, like maybe, you know, it was for some of the other properties that you work with.
0: It It's so interesting because I think the brand guidelines and stipulations that, that traditionally sports and entertainment organizations have said, this is what we're going to hang our, our hats on. We have to be X, Y, Z because of whatever is out there, right? We have to have these standards and these guidelines. You guys have that, but you're a lot more flexible. And I think that that um, the, the traditionalness of those old standards are hindering a lot of old sports and inter- traditional sports and entertainment organizations, because they're not fast enough to move with changing consumer behaviors and the marketers and the brands that you guys are attracting. Um, so I, let, let's get into that a little bit. I, w- I want to talk about the attractiveness that uh DRL has towards marketers and towards fans but first give us if, if people have not heard of DRL give us a 30 second summary of the league and how the races work
1: I hope you two have heard about it
0: oh yeah oh yeah and we've been watching we've been watching clips too so it's it's fascinating so just tell tell our listeners
1: um so we're the number one drone racing league property um in the world so our best drone pilots Uh, 12 race in our championship seasons fly in our league in front of millions of fans all over the world. We're on NBC, Twitter, Facebook, watch, like all those great areas that you would imagine. Um, But beyond our sport that I'm, you know, so excited about and you talk about marketers or, or, you know, key people in, in sports, technology and entertainment think about is we combine this groundbreaking technology and immersive high-speed races um, that are at these iconic locations. So we're essentially building this new era of sport that is intersecting eSports and real-life competition. So I like to talk about it when I came here. People are like, are you live events? Are you eSports? Like, we have the best of both worlds because we straddle both. We are, you know, flying all over the world in football stadiums, in NBA arenas, around palaces in Europe, Um, you know, wherever we can safely fly our drones and allow thousands of people to come and and see the thrill of drone racing live. But then we also, we're on Xbox and PlayStation and Steam. And what I've loved so much um, about this sport is how aspirational it is for children. So I, I have 11-year-old boy-girl twins um, and they play basketball and now they golf. That's our new sport that we took up during COVID, which I love. I mean, who doesn't like to go out with their children and play nine holes?
0: Agreed. <laughs>
1: um, so what we found is everyone is growing up in this different you know, world of sports. They don't wanna sit through hours of i'm not going to pick on sports hours and hours they want the next day to go on espn and do the two-minute drill i got this score from this league i got this score from the other league they don't want to devote the time so what's great about our sport is like we move so quickly um you know the highlights the content and that's really where we found this foothold because not just is it um you know, exciting to watch and easy to follow, but you're 11 years old right now, you go on your Xbox or your PlayStation, you learn how to fly a drone. We're the most true to life sport, a simulator game. So while I would love to tell you, um, if my daughter's watching, she will not appreciate this comment because she will be drafted for the, in the WNBA if you talk to her. Um, That is one of her goals and she's 11. It's great to have those goals. Um, My kids can play Madden. They can play NBA 2K all day long. It is, I don't know what the statistic is. If they went outside for them to get professionally drafted, that is really difficult. But if you put in the time and you learn how to fly a drone on any of those platforms, you absolutely can walk outside and fly a drone. And not only can you do that, you can compete because we have online tournaments to actually be one of our championship pilots in our player to pilot type of racing series. So I want that, like STEM is really important we're making it fun and contemporary. When you think about kids growing up, they they think about these careers so differently now. And I want you know my daughter and my son to think about science and technology and math as careers, not just being professional athletes.
0: I, you have uh, you, you're going to take us down five different rabbit holes here. Um, I'm going to work backwards. So so let's talk a little bit about. relationship that you guys have with stem and how it ties in with this new age of of fans and the younger generation right i you know you go on TikTok, and for me at least my for you page is a lot of crypto and suddenly like stem is kind of cool uh even i even look at like a black panther right so much of what makes black panther cool is shuri and all the stem that's that makes up black panther like science and math are cool for the first time in a long time. So how are you as a league? What other efforts are you guys engaged with to continue to partner with different STEM organizations that are out there? You don't have to go super deep, but I am curious as to how this ties into the growth of the league.
1: Yeah. So very similarly, when I worked at the NBA, you, you look at what's core to your DNA, what's really authentic. We did NBA cares which invested in everything from playgrounds for children to play with, to locations where kids and families can live, learn, and play. So again, activity for the NBA was something very authentic. You show up at the Drone Racing League, we have half of our building is engineers that are hand-building drones every day. So inherent in that is STEM, and programming, and curriculum of what we can push out to market. So we actually built prior to me joining um, DRL Academy. And what that is, is, you know, curriculum for teachers. It's um, making sure that kids, again, have workshops online where they can like build their own drones and customize that. It talks to them about these different careers. Our pilots come on Zoom, you know, and have great conversations. So we have this whole curriculum that we are allowing schools to tap into. And this is all over the world. Um, we just partnered with Inspire Africa. We have children literally in South Africa that get to um, be part of programming for the Drone Racing League. And even most recently, during this past year, we anointed a celebrity Dean, Chris Bosch. So not only do I know Chris from obviously NBA, but he was someone that graduated from Georgia Tech. He's a dad of five. And this is again, just core to him. And when we think about making it cool, now you have like a two-time NBA, you know, world champion, 10-time all-star Chris is there with his kids making it super cool and fun so you're going to continue to see us working with mainstream athletes to bring them into our ecosystem here and also work with the best robotics companies and technology companies to again show every it doesn't just have to be you're building or racing drones or working here, you know, with my team. It is just about opening up the idea of these types of avenues that you might want to pursue in your career.
0: It's, it's so interesting the way that you talk about potential fans and people coming into your ecosystem. I think a lot of sports marketers tend to look at how can I market and sell a ticket to this live event that we have here? And you guys very clearly have said, let's look at the bigger lifestyle, the bigger interest that our fans might have outside of drone racing, league. How might we tap into those additional interests and lifestyle behaviors and use those outside things to bring them into our ecosystem? maybe I guess talk to us a little bit about who your core demographic of people are that you're trying to attract to the sport. And because I think you've already shown us how you're doing that, but talk to us a little bit about your demographics specifically and how you're targeting non-traditional sports fans.
1: Yeah. So, well, first of all, when you talk about marketing, I hired our first ever chief marketing officer. That was one of the first lieutenants I put in place here because I wanted someone to come in with that lens of being classically trained in marketing. And just to your point, it was less about you know, the local ticket sales and I want a lifetime fan. I wanna bring them in you know, cradle to grave here. And we're multi-generational. I saw that firsthand when I started. You have my 11 year old twins, you have my husband and I, and then you have my parents. And all of us, for different reasons, were captivated and watching the same drone races, but we liked it for different reasons. So what we've really discovered um, In this past year are a number of attributes about the fans that we are that we have already. And they may be casual. When I think about the funnel. We broke them up into several areas and everyone's looking for avid fans. Obviously, you know, we're getting them through the tunnel um, here, but starting out with, there are millions of people around the world that have heard of drone racing, have heard of DRL. So I'm like, great, I've got those million here. How do I double click them down to get them more engaged? How are we lighting up their social channels? How are we making sure that they don't watch, you know, as much linear television? If I fall in the 18 to 34, like I'm on my phone watching the live stream and making sure that we have a content product that meets them where they are. So really, it was a very tactical approach, um, David, of looking at our fans. Okay, I have this younger demographic. They're on TikTok you know, China's our second biggest market. What are we doing on the ground? What are we doing here in the States? What are we doing, frankly, all over the world to ensure that we are staying top of mind in again, like a unique and opportunity for them to engage further. And then I have, you know, kind of getting beyond that younger demographic they really have these other characteristics where they're early adopters, they love technology. We have an overlap with racing, as you can imagine. Like, we're fast, we're innovative, we have a thousand lights on one drone. So, people that like that type of sport versus other people that maybe like golf, or you know, you put in a time commitment. I love golf too. I watch golf very differently than I watch drone racing, I like them both. So it is a different type of product that you're putting out there. And we know that. Um, we also look at the demographic and we know they're content creators. So as much as they love the racing, they love the cinematography. And it's everything from like, I just saw posted today, like, who finds cutting grass, like putting a drone on the lawnmower on top of it? Like, By the way, it's like one of the number one trending things I woke up to this morning and I thought the bowling alley like a month ago was the big thing with the drone that was following it so they love cinematography and really like, again, just bringing that courtside view when you think about what drones are able to capture from the scenic places you know we've all been home during COVID this past year, who doesn't want to vicariously live through like the beaches we're not sitting at right now, or you know the tourist attractions. Uh, we also know that they love betting, so that was one of the attributes we jumped on. We're like, they they want they want skin in the game, you know, whether it's free to play or um, real betting products. We had an opportunity. When we went live to air this season during COVID, to then work out like a whole roadmap of getting approved to legally bet on drones. And we did that in 51 days. We literally started the process. Wow. And then our first state was Colorado. We got a data and integrity partner. Colorado came, New Jersey, New Hampshire, um, Michigan, we just got. So that was another thing where you talked about like, understanding our fans is really helping us on the marketing side because like we're then intercepting. And then when I think about who is waking up today that knows nothing about DRL. So 70% of our fans don't follow the big five. So 30% of people following the big five, I wanna bring in to our ecosystem. And I have to appeal like, what do people love about football or tennis, or, you know, again, the NBA coming from that. How do I bring that fan base over to DRL? Is it getting Chris Bosch to be our celebrity? And all of a sudden people that love Chris Bosch, what's Chris up to? Um, You know, there's other athletes that we know of in the NBA, in the NFL, that are out flying drones, they want a bigger platform to talk about their technology leadership and what they're doing beyond their playing field um, of what they're doing. So that's really just to give you like, you know, a, um, a peek under the hood, probably more than a peek under the hood, but um, you know, into our tactics of what we're doing to like keep our current fan base and move them down the funnel to be like avids. Like, I love this sport. For just casual, and then people that haven't heard about us, like how I'm appearing in locations that they're like, "What's this?"
0: It Makes sense, and, and having those different goals for those different fans or potential fans is huge, and getting just getting them to move down the map, like you said. Uh, one one thing I just wanted to highlight and bring back up again, I don't want to go into it too much more, but for everyone that is a traditional stick and ball sport, and you're one of like the big five, I mean your team went, Rachel went from saying we want to get into gambling to embedding to actually having a partner and being live within 51 days. All all of you guys that are working with traditional slow moving bureaucracies internally, that's what you're up against. Good luck. DRL is moving super quick. And I love to hear that, Rachel. So I, I want to move into something else about around fandom and customer experience that I think is really interesting that you hit on earlier but we didn't go into it at all you mentioned that you have a a a player to pilot type program where you can kind of move from doing the simulation and practicing to actually being in the league talk talk to us a little bit more about that and how fan participation is actually leading into being a participant in the actual league itself
1: Yeah, I mean, so much of what we want to do is ensure that if you are a fan, there are opportunities to come to our races, you know, to follow our pilots and frankly compete for, you know, a spot to race in our league. So when we went mainstream on PlayStation and Xbox, so we had been on Steam, um, which is more of a technical interface and you think about you know millions of people that are on PlayStation and Xbox, you can now play our game. So we've already like opened the doors really wide of who can learn how to fly drones. And then we were out marketing those things like player to pilot. So like you found out about this year's player to pilot, you're like, okay, I'm not ready yet to enter. You can train this next year, we have qualifying tournaments, We're using amateur drone pilots for other things that we're doing throughout the year. Um, So that is definitely an opportunity that again, we see as a competitive advantage because not everybody wakes up and can run the 50-yard dash in, I don't know what they even do it in now, sub five seconds or something crazy. I don't know what it is, but something crazy. You know, not everyone you know, has different types of abilities for sports. And for us, it's leveling the playing field. Men, women, boys, girls, you can start at a younger age. We want to ensure that our sport is not only diverse, but we are allowing for opportunities for anyone to compete, regardless, again, of other reasons why maybe you couldn't make it to the big leagues and other sports. And that's been something that, you know, not just I've been personally focused on, but we are as an organization because we want to be um, a leader in that space. And I look at our own, um, uh, you know, our own set of employees that are here and making sure that everyone did not come from the same backgrounds and there's diversity, you know, around that table that we talked about earlier coming from different backgrounds where we can all feel like, you know, skin in the game, our ideas really matter. We want that for our fans as well, Um, you know, again, my, my kids at 11 years old, they have huge plans for us. They want to see DRL do an all-star okay. game like the other sports. So you're going to see us doing a lot to reach out to the fans to really help, you know, something that popped up this year with fan controlled football. We're looking at everything. We're not just looking at the NFL. We're looking at fan controlled football too. And we're seeing, okay, what do people love about this? They love being able to call the plays. So what can we take from each of these sports and really bring to ours? And frankly, we'll make mistakes, Um, but there's no reason why we shouldn't be running into traffic and quick. Um, Like you talked about on on the betting space, we're definitely the team that does that. Like We move as quick as drones, um, and we should, and we've had such tremendous success doing that.
0: You move as quick as drones. I love that. I'm That 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 might be like one of the, the headline clips because I think that's just, it encapsulates the agility that you guys have. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit more, speaking of agility, you made some really big partnerships this past year. T-Mobile, PlayStation, DraftKings. We talked a little bit about some of them, but how do you as a league approach collaborations and partnerships with some of these other bigger brands as you're looking at evaluating a lot of different opportunities? Because I know from... our our startup here engagement, it's really easy to get distracted by the shiny penny. And there's so many cool opportunities that come your way when you have the flexibility and agility that you do. How do you evaluate and decide which partnerships to actually entertain pursuing?
1: So when you look at our roster of partners, like definitely in this last year, you'll see some common threads across many of them. And so much of what has made them fantastic partners of ours are, they are forward-thinking marketers. These are some of the best brands in the world that know how to market, but we bring an entirely new message and sport for them to play with. And you look at that combination and that's where we've really found you know, to be the perfect storm. And we went out, you know, I started on day one and I called, you know, top CEOs at those companies, five-year-old property, global footprint, again, just thinking through our sport, looking at their portfolio and knowing we bring something very different because nobody needs another sports property. And I'm like, we're a technology company, we're content creators. So that's where I am very bullish on what we bring to the table. There's not a conversation we don't have with a beverage company, a technology company, an automotive company that we don't have sensational programming for them. We're a real world case study. We have our millions of fans that are dying on the sword for companies that we're associated with. So again, it just makes for this, you know, unbelievably perfect marriage. when I know they're already at the forefront of being these incredible marketers, you then take our sport and where we can go and talk about, you know, T-Mobile's a perfect example. Incredible marketer. I, by the way, I'm in a blue dress today, but everything else in my wardrobe is magenta. Um, this is a company that, again, tons of marketing that's out there. They do Super Bowls, but they do everything. What are we doing with them? We're building the first ever 5G drone. We have a physical drone that is using their 5G technology. So when you look right now at the wireless wars that are happening between the top companies, we are telling this unbelievable story in such a human way when I think about being one of their customers, we're talking about 5G where they can actually understand what 5G is. This drone is gonna like cut content at our races and give everyone this you know, unbelievable view. So the things that we're able to show off, again, it's, it's a drone using T-Mobile's 5G. So that's not just buying TV spots and this it is this unbelievable story and the same thing with DraftKings. You know, they have a lot of teams. They have a lot of sports leagues that they work with. We were the first aerial sport that you can bet on. We had a billion impressions when we came out with our PR announcement that day. Wow. Um, and their stock was also up 5%. So we're literally like moving the market.
0: That, and that's what brands want to hear at the end of the day right? They, they want that ROI, especially now. And it's no longer good enough just to have the partnership so they can get the suite. They're like a CMO of a big brand now. They're like, how are you going to move the company forward ultimately?
1: Oh, definitely. That? And, and
0: the- it sounds like you guys are doing that.
1: Definitely. And like, for us, like we think about ROI, like that's how I think about ROI, like literally moving the market. Like what can we do for companies? Because again, we're, we're not in a hand-to-hand combat with like this other sport that we're fiercely competitive with, we're literally flying in our own space where we are creating the future and we are owning the audience. So I tell people like, you've aged out of this audience. You've now been with them for how many years? We talked about like the cradle to grave marketing. They're up here. They're up here. You know, I have like a older demographic right now, and I want to get younger. I love that demographic still, but I want to get younger. And what we talk to companies about, like we own 100% of the future. We know our fans are the youngest of any of the properties out there. So who doesn't want to, again, stay true to who they've been talking with for years, but also invest in this next generation. This is the generation when you think about um, the automotive companies that are coming out with electric cars. By the way, electric cars are not cheap. So you think about a household income or about someone who's gonna be able to afford these cars. You better be investing in a younger generation that want to be in spaces that care about maybe having the financial means to purchase some of these cars.
0: Uh, It's incredible, the stuff that you guys are doing here. Um, Well, I I wanna wrap, bring us up Uh, or bring us home here. I know we only have a couple more minutes left. Uh, Some rapid fire questions here. In the last year since you've been with DRL, what's one of the best or most worthwhile investment y'all have made as an organization? Whether it be could be an internal process, could be a tool, could be something you've used externally, but what's one of the most worthwhile investments as an organization that you have made in the last 12 months?
1: Um, Definitely on research, So we've invested to learn more about our fans. And we're now a data and insights driven organization.
0: Beautiful. It's we're, uh, so we have a big partnership with Penn state athletics and we just have partnered with Qualtrics to kind of run this whole consumer insights data, basically building an internal consumer insights department within the athletic department. And we're, it's, it's, it's influencing a bunch of decisions across the organization. So everything that you're talking about here, you wouldn't be able to talk about it without that kind of research. So I love it. All right, last question here, Rachel. If you could put up a gigantic billboard and put anything on it, any piece of advice, metaphorical billboard could be a tweet, uh, what would it say? A few words, a sentence, give us something clear and concise.
1: Definitely. Win first, and then figure it out later.
0: (laughs) What what does that mean? Go.
1: So, I mean, for me, it's like, we're winners. So, we're the athletes. We're going to get it done. And, like, at all costs, we're going to get the win. And then if we don't have – because if you spent all this time getting everything ready to get the win, we'd never get to prime time. So I'm focused on getting here, getting it done. And then sure, we want to do a race on the moon. We'll figure it out. That's the second part. Win first. I'm up here. This company wants to do a race on the moon. Sure. Our COO, Ashley, we got to make it happen. We're going to figure it out.
0: Rachel, it has been fantastic having you on the show. And I truly look forward to the next conversation that we have together.
1: Thank you guys so much for having me. I loved being here and I'm a yes if you want to invite me back.
0: All right. Sounds good. We will just have to find the time where we can squeeze into your schedule because I know everything that you and DRL doing, you guys are moving at light speed. Uh, You're moving as fast as a drone. So we'll we'll try to keep up. And for everyone at home, we will put all the links uh, as to where to follow Rachel and where to follow DRL. We'll put all that in the show notes so you don't miss a beat. Rachel, thanks again. Thank you. Today's episode is brought to you by CheckedIn, a new tool in your operations toolkit that helps you understand exactly who's working in your venue. It's one of the tech products the engagement team helped create during the pandemic. And with it, we set out to solve some of the key problems sports and entertainment operators face every day. The tool does a few things, from helping you gain more labor data to operate more efficiently and mitigate risk, And it also saves you time and headaches by automating the horrible check-in and credential approval process that has existed for so long. But my favorite part of Checked In, hands down, is that it's tied to a digital learning platform. Now, historically, training game day staff has taken place before the beginning of a season. But how do you train the workers that start mid-season or the workers that just come in to work the big games, the big events? Well, this tool solves that issue. With Checked In, you can create and push training to your teammates digitally, and you can require employees to watch training videos before they're able to physically check in to work. Checked in has begun rolling out at some of the biggest stadiums in the country, and they're now opening up beta access on a limited basis. If you want to see how it works and get a demo, head to CheckedIn.app. That's C-H-E-C-K-D-I-N.app. We'll make it easy and link to it in the show notes. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, We're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.